Hi, Lindsay. Hi. Thank you for agreeing to come on University Challenged. <laughs> so for the listeners today and for the listeners to come, can you please tell us your name and what it is that you do for a job today? Sure. So hi, everyone. I'm Lindsay Charlton and I am Chief Operating Officer for DAISY. Uh, DAISY are a IT and telecommunications company. So we're a managed service provider who also specialise in operational resilience, which is risk. Great. Um, so that's today. Big job, a big board director. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah, I'm on the board. Yeah. Of directors, yeah. Hmm. yeah. Um, so before we get to how you got there, uh, what are your memories of secondary school? I I absolutely loved secondary school. Um, partially because of the social side of it, because I'm quite a social person. Um, but also, um, I did love school and I loved the lessons. I loved learning. I wasn't so keen on homework because I had quite an active social life. Not so much just going out with friends, but I did a lot of activities. I did swimming, I did horse riding, I did dancing. So I had quite a hectic life in general, but fun. Um, but yeah, I absolutely loved school. I was a prefect at school as well. Um, wow. So got to kind of monitor the door, get me sandwich before everyone else. <laughs> Perks of the job. Yeah. But I did really enjoy school, um, got on quite well with teachers, that kind of stuff. And I got on with a lot of different types of people at school. There's a lot of stereotypes of, you know, the groups of people that kind of hang together. And yeah, I, would, yeah, I probably got on with the majority of people and yeah, never really, never really stuck to an individual group in that sense. Just, yeah, just a people person in general. And an all-rounder, it would sound. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. um and whereabouts in the country did you go to school in county durham so from the northeast of england um still live here have always lived here traveled lots with jobs in different places but always stayed in county durham because it's it's my home and i have family and friends here and i love the community spirit that we have in the northeast yeah and was it, um, was your school a state school, a grammar school, private school? Type no, school? it was just a state school, yeah. Yeah. And what, um, I think it was what it was called at the time in the 90s. <laughs> yeah. And um, what exams did you sit? So, GCSE? GCSE, yes. Yeah. yeah. So I sat GCSEs uh, where you get to choose what subjects you do, mm-hmm. which was interesting because I had no idea what I wanted to do and the subjects that I chose were probably ones that my parents chose and my mum anyway (laughs) (laughs) do that because this will be good for a a job and actually it wasn't and it probably it it wasn't really I did keyboarding for example and that's not like musical keyboarding it's learning how to type yeah because my mum thought a good job is you know an office job uh, so you need to know how to, to type properly yeah I wish I'd done PE because I, I wish I'd just done the subjects that I enjoyed um, yeah. but yeah so kind of yeah your typical standard ones your science um, yeah. subjects French I think I did French history mm-hmm. etc mm-hmm. and that's quite um interesting just you mentioning your parents there for so many questions um so a conversation I ended up in with a a big group of people on Facebook was I asked people how involved were your parents in your secondary education and some were like 
they had no involvement at all and they weren't interested and some were they invested loads of money but didn't provide the home environment um so it sounds like did your parents sort of give you some guidance or show preference to yeah um, most my mum did definitely and I think a big part of her guidance was based on her experience so my mum's quite academic she's very bright and intelligent and um her parents had a family business and her expectation was she would finish and she went to grammar school um she would finish school and go and work in the family business and I think she would have liked to have gone on and done further education but it wasn't Uh, necessarily an option for her so I think she felt like she missed out so she was encouraging me to kind of want to that and you know think about well this type of job is a good job but in the night in the 90s the careers advice and and to be fair I think it is a lot better still there's a lot to improve on a lot still but yeah it wasn't it was not great the advice you get it's it's, you know when you're making decisions about what subjects do you take yeah really hard I teach dancing to children um and I always say to the girls who were uh, you know choosing their dance the um subjects I always just say to them pick a subject that you're interested in because if you're interested in something you'll do well in it (laughs) yeah yeah pick something don't think you're trying to shape your career at that age of like what 13 14 you know what you're gonna do you're not (laughs) no (laughs) and what happened after GCSEs did you go to sixth form well I I was supposed to go to sixth form I was supposed to go to Durham sixth form again probably influenced from my parents in that you need to get further education etc and you know to get a good job and um upon so I did sign up to Durham sixth form and then really last minute I got my GCSE results and I think I, I would say I was just average and I did average and I think a big part of that was um I really didn't like exams yeah <laughs> so exams wouldn't and they still aren't you know you know even when I did my dancing exams throughout all of the classes that I took the teacher expected me to come out the highest on the exams and I didn't and I just said I just don't think I like exams which mm. is also ironic because you might then think I don't do well under pressure mm-hmm. I actually excel under pressure so I think it's more of a maybe it's the pressure of you need to do exam you know I think this probably get a psychologist on the case and they'll probably <laughs> unwind what that means um but yeah so I, I kind of did a u-turn so the parents thought you know both my parents thought I was going to do um college kind of sixth form and I dropped out last minute because I found out about a couple of the girls who were in my year at school said oh we're going to do this YTS scheme yeah um and it's in business administration mm-hmm. and you which all I knew at the time I had no idea what that meant it was just it's yeah. an office job and I'd been told an office job was a good job to get yeah. which, which I now don't necessarily agree with <laughs> I think there's lots of other good jobs out there um so that I kind of went down that path and it was what interested us about the YTS scheme is you got moved around somewhere different every three months because mm-hmm. some business administration is quite vast depends on what what organization you work for so I, I did a U-turn I mean I, you know, I don't think my mum was very happy quite <laughs> I probably got a little bit wrong but I still stood by yeah I, I don't want to go to college I don't know what I want to do why, yeah. why I don't like exams why do I want to go and do more mm. <laughs> And and what did both of your parents, what did they do for as the, their careers? So my dad was a motor mechanic by trade. Yeah. Also, quite, I think this is where I get my stubbornness from. Uh, so I always remember my dad telling us a story about 
he finished school he didn't go to, to grammar school and he finished school and he kind of obviously he was born in 1950 so it was a long time ago and when he finished yeah. school he said uh in some careers advice meeting they were like you know you need do you want to go and do this or do that and he's like I want to be a motor mechanic <laughs> he knew I want to be a yeah. motor mechanic yeah had a little jobs um you know working in the I think it was for a butcher and all sorts just little jobs when he was younger he was like, yeah. I want to be a motor mechanic. And, and I think he got given a job somewhere in some industry and he got this job and he, they were like, do you not want to be here? And he went, no, I want to be a motor mechanic. <laughs> and he, in the end, he got a motor mechanic apprenticeship. So my dad by trade as a motor mechanic. Yeah. And then probably in, I don't know, whether it was like time in like the late 70s, he, he, turned, um, he used to fix lorries. So part yeah. of his uh, trade was fixing lorries and then ended up being phone a lorry driver so had his own as um as a as a lorry driver so yeah so trucker trucker dad yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then my mum really had multiple jobs so I, I think I remember when I at stories when I was a baby she would work in the family business which was a petrol station and a, a petrol station with a garage and a bus company yeah. Uh, on them and uh, my dad used to work in the garage for free just so we could go out with my mum <laughs> and then um, so when we went like I always remember my mum telling the stories about I was a baby and she had me on the counter in the kiosk and it was yeah. when people used to fill your petrol up for you so people would she'd go and fill the petrol up my auntie worked in the family business as well she was a bus driver yeah, uh, mum was also a motorbike constructor as well. So, you wow. know, lots of no jobs, just various different. With it being a family business, everyone did a little bit of everything. Um, and then later on, she brought spent. You know, she didn't really work during the week, so she brought me and my sister up. And she we used to babysit my dad's cousin's son, who we always said was our um, brother from another mother, Philip. Yeah. Um. So we she kind of spent our time bringing us up, but then worked on a weekend as well. So um, because my dad came home on a weekend because he'd be away in the lorry yeah um, and then on a weekend my mum would work at the in the factory so she worked at Fisher Price the toy oh factory. wow oh, oh wow as a child because we used to get brilliant toys yeah like <laughs> that telephone the little Fisher Price telephone with a face on it a little little cassette player yeah, yeah wow. good memories of my mum working there and yeah. actually the auntie ended up working there later because they sold the family business um yeah and you know they ended up so really my mum spent a lot of our, our life really working in you know after the family business working in factories so she worked I think she did like injection molding she used to be a machine setter wow and you did and you worked in the factories as well and a lot of me cousins so in the area that we lived in manufacturing was quite a, a big employer post the, the closure of the mining yeah wow um and and just a kind of novel point, I guess, for people that um, watch this on YouTube, they see you're doing some active sitting, yes. which is a bit like driving. As you you took, you've driven a lorry, a bus, a coach, a bin wagon, a, a bin of an eighteen wheeler lorry, a steamroller. What? Wow! <laughs> wow! And and All in these... one day. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and and many of these vehicles, but not all, have got bouncy seats and you are sat on a Swiss ball I am sat on a Swiss ball which is yeah. would be core when you sat down at a desk a lot of you yeah. do <laughs> <laughs> um 
So you've gone on your youth training scheme apprenticeship and where does that take you? So my first three months I worked at a local council at Sedgefield Borough Council mm-hmm. um, in the admin department in admin and in the housing department which the first couple of weeks was like yeah this is really interesting and then I got to a point where I was like well oh, I do the same thing every week I'm not sure if I like this highlight of the job was giving old people bus passes <laughs> so yeah we used to laminate them take their photos and get regular yeah. visitors who lost their pass who just like to come in for a chat that was probably the highlight of that job yeah. so my, my second placement was on an IT help desk at Black and Decker in Spennymoor mm-hmm. and I moved and uh, I spent three months there and then when it was time to move on they, they asked to keep us and and what came about there was um you know I'd be logging the calls from the office or the, the shop floor lines if they had faults on any of their IT equipment and I would log it in a system and the engineers would then go out. And I had a female team leader and um, she was the kind of network engineer. And then two guys who were what I call your jack of all trade IT, who've got computer science degrees and just know all about computers. Yeah. Um, so when it, if, when I wasn't taking calls and it wasn't busy, I would be saying, what are you doing? How does that work? Um, and they would say, come on, we'll show you in the build room. And, you know, the two guys spent quite a lot of time teaching us this is a computer, this is how it works, this is the physical element and you know I think that you know they were really good at sharing that information and I was really interested in it and then I started doing little bits of jobs you know so they didn't need to do them jobs themselves they passed them on to me and really that I got extended probably a couple of a couple of times on my YTS scheme before they then approached us and asked us to move on to a modern apprenticeship which is the first you had traditional apprenticeships which were like your engineering type apprenticeships Um, and modern apprenticeships were brand new so they were in you know your HR department IT finance so it was I think it was one of the first because the YTS scheme really was probably what an apprenticeship was before modern apprenticeships came along and I moved on to the modern apprenticeship program from uh, the business admin YTS scheme and I actually did both of them in parallel because the uh, instructors who had done the YTS business admin said well actually you've kind of done most of the things you need to do for this if you're happy to do them both at the same time yeah. you can do them both and and because I'd done so much hands-on experience working in that kind of in, in the factory with the guys who you know delegating those tasks and jobs I actually went straight to an MVQ level three instead of having to start with IT having to start at the very beginning. Ah great so that's your first kind of prof- I've got this right it's your professional first professional qualification yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. okay um <laughs> so when, when I was looking at your uh LinkedIn profile and your career history I just see engineer 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 how did that part happen for you so when I did me so my IT apprenticeship I was kind of what you would call now as an infrastructure engineer apprentice mm-hmm. Yeah, a little bit of everything. Uh, so I finished my apprenticeship, and because the modern apprenticeship scheme was brand new, the way that it worked is you had it, you had an apprentice, and then you you kind of cycled them out and brought new people in. But, yeah. but they hadn't really worked out. For example, in Black and Decker, they hadn't really worked out. Well, what do we do with the apprentice that we've just spent two years training and we really want to keep? And they couldn't. They just didn't have a mechanism for it. So it actually, it's a shame because you know that that you're losing your talent then. You know, now our apprentice schemes in, in our company and the aim is you bring people in, you train and develop them and they will fill, you know, the roles. Yeah. You know, you spent all that time, you don't want to lose those people. Yeah. And I, was, I always remember, I did get a lovely uh, um, reference from the guy who ran the IT department, but yeah, there was, 
there was no role so they had there was nowhere to put us so I moved on mm. and then kind of did that kind of um IT infrastructure IT role worked in a council for about six months and then back into manufacturing I worked for Grunfoss Pumps in Sunderland um and then I, I got headhunted for a job at, at the time Orange yeah. um which was the mobile phone company and it was in 1997 or eight mm-hmm. and it was right when the telecom boom was happening so it was a really exciting time and I'd gone yeah. for this job and I had no idea I just thought it was what I did because they had my CV you know, and yeah. this is the thing sometimes with the recruitment firms. So when I gave a recruitment firm my CV when I'd left my apprenticeship, they still had it on record. And so I go for this interview and they ask us a boatload of questions about networking. And I was a jack of all trades. <laughs> and, ah. and well, I'm answering all these questions and, they're, you know, I'm answering them just really honestly. Ask. It was probably the funniest one was, uh, Lindsay, uh, do you know what ATM stands for? And I was like, like cash machine. Yeah. <laughs> and now I'm not <laughs> synchronous transfer mode but at the time it was a cash machine it was very American Um, and then when when we went through the questions they said what job do you think you've applied for and I said I'm I'm an IT I'm an infrastructure IT engineer I do a little bit of everything yeah okay so tell us what you've done in networking kind of honed in oh this is what I've done in networking and they were like draw us a network so I drew a network and I'd only ever worked on and ring networking and yeah oh. internet network and I was like and they were like oh can you draw an ethernet network no, no never worked on the ethernet network yeah. wow <laughs> I've just had such a flashback I used to draw network diagrams one company yeah. I worked for token ring network diagrams. it was a little art it was art wasn't it it was yeah <laughs> great wow yeah. wow oh wow have something in common um so they did offer you a job then <laughs> they did offer me a job which you yeah. know I came away thinking wow it was a four-hour interview as well because they take they do a lot of psychometric testing and things like that and I came away thinking never got that job obviously I've gone thinking one thing they've thought another and yeah. they um they also I always remember as well when they were going through my CV and I had my hobbies which was horse riding yeah. kickboxing dancing yeah skiing and swimming and they were like really and I was like yeah Yeah. (laughs) I think they thought I was just making you know people putting too many things on their hobbies oh yeah I actually do all of those things (laughs) but this is it yeah did (laughs) I should have got visions of them asking you to like well show us demonstrate how you do you ski in my mind I was thinking they're thinking like first of all a female engineer which was quite rare you had a lot of females I would say in development and developers Mm -hmm. but not necessarily in kind of the infrastructure engineering Mm -hmm. and um so they're probably thinking a female engineer who does kickboxing horse riding dancing swimming yeah (laughs) really (laughs) wow but anyway, I got home and I hadn't even gotten home and uh, I didn't have a mobile phone then and they no. had a phone call to say, yeah, you've got the job. Um, we are going to bring you in at a lower level than what the job was advertised for, but we we think that you'll be brilliant and we'll train you. So that's cool. how I and So I did then, I went, you know, I spent a lot of time specialising in network and spent about six years yeah. at Orange as a, net, as a data network engineer. Um often got to touch some of the mobile networks and they needed a bit of help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, I kind of 
they centralised their IT department down in Bristol. I didn't want to relocate. I'd done quite a lot of secondment, so I travelled yeah. there. I spent three or six months there, but didn't want to leave me home, so I decided not to relocate and went through redundancy, which was my first experience of a redundancy process, which was very scary. Um, yeah. Probably what I've learned from it is there's always other opportunity out the other side of it. So yeah. Um, and I was, I think at the time I would have been in me about 22, 23, so still quite mm. young, really. Um, then I got a job working for a company called Netstore, quite a small company. So they were about 135 staff across mm. the north and south. And um, yeah, so I went for an interview there for a network engine, network analyst role and, and got the job there, which was um, also really interesting because I'd only ever worked in quite big organisations, so you black yeah. and decker. Runfoss um, and an orange big enterprise and I always remember them saying oh we'll take you into the data center and uh, we went into this room and I was like is this not the comms room (laughs) (laughs) the data center and I was like all right because I'd gone from big huge football pitch data centers to the yeah this is a data center wow um, that then gave us probably the ability to learn so much more because it was a smaller organisation. You got involved, you know, at Orange, I was just a network engineer because they had another team that did security, another team that did all, you know, lots of different things. So because I ended up working for a small, what was a managed service provider who yeah. specialised in kind of um, host and finance systems as well. So yeah. I, while I come from an infrastructure background, it was if I had to explain that company again to, in today's language, you would say they were probably delivering, um, you know, um, software as a service type solutions. With okay. Being like that. Yeah. Um, and and, vir- and virtualization before virtualization existed. And then yeah. I would have to secure it and do all the networking around it. So as wow. well as networking, I moved into security. Again, another interview, I thought I've never got that job because... I do the interview and they ask us all these questions about security yeah. and I'm like a network engineer, you know, and, but they were like, you, you understand routing, yeah, switching. Yeah. 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 And they were like, uh, what about firewalls? I don't do firewalls. We had a separate team, you know, yeah. you know and kind of came away from the interview thinking, yeah, I don't have what they need. They need someone who can do network and security. And they were like, well, if you know, if you know routing, you'll learn firewall and then we'll train you. We really want you to take the job. So um yeah so I got the job there and that's when I probably spent I am technically still that that company was acquired by another company to e2 yeah. who went to administration and was acquired by Daisy who I work for now yeah. so I started working in 2003 at yeah. and I'm kind of through lots of acquisitions still in yeah. that company but in many different roles and what's interesting to me is that you've gone through these interview processes and they've listened to the skills that you have and thought that's okay you've got that knowledge we can add this layer Uh, was there any point where they said to you um have you got a degree education did you ever feel that was important or they were looking for that no I think some job adverts have done Mm. um probably I've not applied for a job when I was younger, I've probably not applied for a job because I thought, well, I don't have a degree. Yeah. Um, but then I think as time went on, people changed and a lot of the adverts became or oh, equivalent experience. Yeah. And, you know, and, you know, and I did, you know, 
pretty much left school at 16, went straight bang into work and not long then straight bang into IT and spent a lot of time working in IT. Um, You know, and I was quite young in comparison to most people because most people had gone to Mevy's University or, you know, UNC or something like that. So I did, I would say I was quite a lot younger than a lot of people. Yeah. And um, who I was working with. And and how have you gone from that position of engineer, individual contributor, <laughs> yeah. to the place where you are today? Well, so I I, I think that I just assume roles. <laughs> um, I've never kind of set out and thought um, this is what I want to do and this is where I'm going to how I'm going to get there. Um, I kind of just had the ethos of, you know, do a good job, enjoy what you do. If you're yeah. interested in something, shout about it. If you've got an opinion on something, speak up about it. I would say in the early part of my career, I probably wouldn't have done that as much as what I do now. I think it comes with age and confidence. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I got to a certain point and I think there was a team leader role advertised. And I, mm-hmm. I was pretty organised, so... Um, you know, I worked in a team of other engineers and we worked for, at the time, being the director and there was a number of us who worked there in a team leader role. I think it was when we did an acquisition, a team leader role became available. So I applied for a team leader role. So it was kind of a, a 60-40 tech, tech team leader role mm. um, and applied for that. Got put on some leadership training with lots of other people and became team leader. And then kind of got an, a manager role as the business expanded and more people came in, took yeah. on a technical manager role. Again, all of my roles were very technical still. So I got involved. Yeah. It got to a, probably a point where I would get involved in design. But I really did like um, organising things, organising people, um, developing people as well, you know, bringing people on and um, teaching what I've learned to them and also encouraging them to learn themselves that kind of stuff so I did enjoy that and then um, I think I got to a crossroad in about I think it was about 2012 where there was a head of department role that came up and um, I never actually applied for it at first even though I was probably doing the role (laughs) Um, but no one actually approached us about it as well and then I kind of sat for and thought for a bit and thought well actually I'm doing that role and then I thought oh god there's loads of problems to sort out do I really want that or, yeah. or I want to do you know I'm really comfortable being an engineer and at the time I was doing a lot of kind of design work really so less about the hands-on more doing the design and my team would do some of the delivery work and kind of finish started with the design so it was a big decision because I had a thought process of oh what if I forget how to do that and that's kind of spent yeah. all my career being an engineer but if you stop you know if you don't do it you'll I always used to think well you'll lose it um, yeah. I don't believe that now I think yes you might not remember how to specifically do something I don't think you will you ever lose it I actually think it gives you a lot more um value um so yes so I had this kind of decision point and I had a um our director at the time I had a meeting with him about it because he was um pretty pretty good at giving advice and he kind of said to us I said I'm at the crossroad and I and I need to decide I feel like do I have more value to give as you know an engineer um or, or you know this technical manager or in management where you know I've worked a lot with people in management who didn't really understand engineering <laughs> yeah 
happened. I have an MBA and be from a business background, but they didn't really understand. And there was a very big disconnect between the management team and the, the people on the ground. And I actually thought yeah. I have more to offer. The yeah. fact that I come from right at the bottom all the way up and through, you know, and, and I think that's where I got to in the end. And yeah. the advice I got from um, the director at the time was make a list of what you're willing to trade and what you're not willing to trade, and then you'll work out what decision to make. Um, oh, so and what what might you include on a list like that for well, example I, I, so he he gave me an example which was he wouldn't be willing to trade a, a title you know where I'm probably less bothered about a title wow okay or bothered about a title at one point um I think I did have a, a, a discussion where a restructure happened and the titles were really generic and I just didn't think it was right it's not fair when you've got different people with different abilities but yeah, so he had things like that. I had things like, you know, being involved in technology. I do love technology. Yeah. Um, so I would always want to have some influence on technology and, you know, as opposed to just being a manager per se. Um, but then I think, you know, where I got to with that particular role was it was running a, it was head of department for a, a very techno, te- technology team. So, yeah. But yeah, so sometimes it might be location if you're expected to move for a role. Like, yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, I did decide to move to what I say is the dark side of management, um, yeah. being an engineer. Uh, and I am really pleased that I did because I do think I had more value to offer as in a leadership role than, than as an engineer. Yeah. And, and at what point do you get the tap on the shoulder to join the board? How does that work? Um, well, so I moved into DAISY as a head of department. And DAISY, yeah. we kind of ran as a separate entity for a while because our um what was 2e2 managed host and business went into administration and that's what the yeah. part that daisy bought so it was very much stabilized things you know really get things uh, settled in and then we started to do a lot of integration you know uh, integrating in the wider business daisy's really acquisitive so yeah. there was an acquisition along the line so i was all you know spent a lot of time involved in due diligence work and or yeah integration planning um, activities, you know, communicating with staff, all that kind of stuff. So quite a lot of your management work, really, as well as winning the technology teams in the background. Um, yeah. So and there's, there was always a lot of opportunity for roles in DAISY because of a lot of acquisition and growth. Mm. So I definitely think, you know, it's, it's moved on quite a lot. I think I went from a head of department role in what was 2E2 managing probably about 20 people to being, you know, head of department running um, probably about 200 people in Jersey yeah. and, 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 and picking up other technology teams as we go. You know, I was a network background. Um, so I started running network teams and then um, compute like cloud type teams, then yeah. UC and, you know, adding as, as, as kind of things advanced. Yeah. Then um, I do think that probably somewhere in my career of different acquisitions as well, um, I'm quite strategic, so I have a lot of good ideas about, you know, developing new services or, uh, you know, technology. So I would create different things and, and maybe focus on them. Um, and really, the, the the tap on the shoulder for the director role, which was my first director role, which was in 2018, came from a lady who I'd worked with a few times. She was the operations director in another Daisy business. Yeah. And we worked together on a number of different projects over the years. Um, and we were restructuring the business from being a group to multiple businesses. Yeah. Um, 
and she was like uh, you know all of the challenges you know what needs to be done you've done all this stuff before because she'd worked on projects with us so we kind of knew and she was like um I, I want you to be the director of this part of the business and, and I, I remember at the time saying there oh um well I kind of I, I was a head of department really doing a director's job in the past in that in that area yeah men made me think yeah someone should have approached us then and they didn't and I probably should have said, hold on a minute, I'm doing this level of work and yeah. not necessarily being paid for it. Um, anyway, we had this kind of conversation and I said, well, I don't think, you know, I could do that with me. I should, it's not really a challenge necessarily for us. Yes, I could, yeah. you know, put it to where it needs to be. But actually the problem is you've got these two different departments who need to work much closer together. So you should bring them together and you need one director. And she was like, brilliant, you can do it all. And I was like, oh. <laughs> okay (laughs) you can do it all and I was like oh my goodness it's such a big job and she's like you'll be fine yeah probably having someone yeah notice and recognize you know what to do just giving you a bit more confidence get on with it and get it sorted yeah (laughs) and that's awesome and where do you kind of um go to you know because you're still like learning all the time and so you, you've got these great ideas and you can be strategic they've got to be Im- implemented and yeah. got lots of stakeholders to consider mm-hmm. um look, if you needed advice mm-hmm. you know, where where would you go to who would do you do you feel like uh, I've because I've heard um a uh, few people I, I know someone that runs a, a women's leadership group and she said it can be very you know, lonely at the top and hard to know who to reach out to um where where do you go very, I would say various places. I've got colleagues who I've worked with in the past who I spent a long time working, you know, in when I talked about Nextdoor and then what became 2E2, you know, people who I've worked for a really long time with over 10 years who I had really good relationships with who were brilliant also in their field. So, you know, they're colleagues who I used to work with. Not it's um, Most of them are men because it's a very male-orientated um, environment that, you know, I see, one that we need to change. But it's, you know, so I would confer in ex-colleagues or I might talk to peers or I might sound things out with people you know on the ground to really help us make more informed decisions because I think sometimes when you are higher up in the management chain you know what you get told and um or you know what you get presented with I think it's really important to go you know still talk to people you know I have engineers who you know from a level point of view they they work in a director who works for me who has a head of department who has a manager yeah to an engineer and how's it going how's things because I've had a relationship with them at some point or you know and I like to think that anyone could come and talk to me and you know so we have quite an open open policy in in Daisy where anyone can come and if anyone's got a good idea come and tell us because you know your manager or your team leader or your director or your c-level team don't know everything <laughs> yeah <laughs> and um how, how do your experiences inform how you set your recruitment or retention or your pe your people strategy I think massively so um I am a big advocate of apprenticeships because I yeah. don't think that you know um university or college is for everyone mm. I equally think I I wouldn't then say don't go to university or college because I think depending on you as a person what you want to do what you like doing it you know it you know there's different paths to get to the same place you could take those two different paths 
and end up in the same place. So, um, but I do think that for me, the experience you get hands-on working is you know, really invaluable. And also you really appreciate as an apprentice, I was an apprentice, I really appreciated the time and effort that, you know, the two guys who I work with, the team leader who I work with spent training me, you know, and yeah. I, that, I think that I have passed on as I've, you know, been a team leader and a manager, you know, yeah. even as an engineer, I always remember working at um, Grunfoss Pumps in Sunderland and, you know, getting called out. Someone had a problem with their PC and I went over and uh, this is what's wrong. And then I showed them what was wrong and they were like, oh my, thank you so much because now I know if that happens again, you, I know how to fix it. And I'm thinking, yeah, I don't have to come and fix it. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. Prior to that, the, the the person who did their IT before would just come, fix it, and then go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And 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 just that um, is there an element for you of that giving and knowledge transfer? Because you said you teach dance as well, so yeah. Although it's a, it's been a struggle since lockdown to get back into the swing of it, it's, and as I've kind of probably moved up the ranks it's hard to give some of that time but yeah so uh, I'm a qualified dance teacher as well me the professional qualification freestyle yeah. <laughs> and rock and roll awesome um so so yes so I do love teaching in general and yeah probably I've been doing that since I was about 22 21 22 really helping out and I, I actually love teaching the little kids which most teachers hate because they get really bored really quick like yeah trying to teach them how to do a step and the the little ends go oh look at my toe yeah (laughs) yeah quick let's move on to something else um but yeah I do I do enjoy I think I am just a bit of an advice giver as well people might come to me with a problem so I think sometimes you're that type of person as well yeah so you've got that um that belief in apprenticeships and the knowledge transfer and being you know open door policy being approachable you mentioned mm. um you think maybe it was interesting that you said you thought there were quite a lot of female developers as you were coming through yeah. as as an engineer um yeah and and so you know I keep hearing about there's not enough um balance mm. in the industry I know lots of women that actually sort of leave as they get to their 30s and 40s what mm. where do you see changes need to be made and, and what are the kind of things that sort of influence your um the way that you operate at Daisy yeah so um I actually think the biggest place that you can make an impact is in the education sector mm-hmm. um because it is stereotypes I think it's 10 million times better than what it was but it yeah. still has a long way to go mm-hmm. um, to really inspire and you know um get people to think I can do that because still people think well oh, that's a boy's job I couldn't do that that's that's what boys or, or IT's for geeks yeah um, we're not all geeks no <laughs> people who work in IT yeah um, so yes so I think that um that does play a part so for example in our organization um, I'd been working for some time with various different HR teams around trying to improve gender diversity, especially um, in IT. And I also think that people who work for an IT organisation think that that means it engineers and female engineers. And that's for me that if you work in IT, you work in IT, whether you're in yeah. finance, 
project management, you probably know a lot more about IT than what you think you do. Yeah. So we, we've launched a, a STEM ambassador program yeah. with STEM learning, um, really encourage getting people into, um, you know, sharing their tech, tech in, in general. You know, there's a shortage of skills in the UK and Europe. So, you know, the more that we can do, get people interested in that, not all just being YouTubers. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you say it was um step learning step s-t-e-m oh, step learning yeah. 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 yeah so launched that program i am a stem ambassador myself so i do activities um i actually do some business activities as part of stem learning which they do which is really good um um we did one last year with year seven school kids and it was to promote being entrepreneurs yeah um, really trying to encourage kids about being an entrepreneur and, and yes I've had to come up with a business idea and I was a business ambassador helping them make suggestions and being there to answer any questions they had that kind of stuff so yeah. um, it's quite exciting doing that kind of work but then also just talking to kids about technology and, and also having females who can talk about it so they can say well, actually oh you know and and I think for me, that I never thought there was an issue until 2018, which is a long time, really, to have spent my career in IT. I'd always known I was nearly always the only girl in a meeting room, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't really see it as a big issue. And I do think a part of that was me upbringing. In there was no boys' jobs, girls' jobs. Me, you know, my mum would put the bins out, cut more the lawn, and yeah you know physical things so that I never really had that kind of but but other people had and other people you know would would maybe think I can't do that where I never thought I can't do that because I'm a girl yeah Uh, so I do think that you know I did this interview for Daisy which was women in engineering and I did an interview and I got asked some questions answered some questions and the video went out and uh, someone shared it on Facebook so it went out on normal you know LinkedIn etc and someone had shared it on Facebook and a lot of my family and friends are obviously the tagged us in it so um a lot of people a lot so many people reached out and said oh I didn't know that's what you did and yeah, my, yeah. Kid, my cousin's daughter said oh I would never think that I could do that but like no one that you do it like why well, couldn't I do it and I thought oh I never actually thought about that. So I really took some time to think about that. And and at that point, that's when I decided, well, I need to do a little bit more here. And then I went down a kind of route of, right, let's do some, you know, what do we need to do to improve gender diversity where I might not have been put off by something, but someone else might. So the language you use in your job descriptions, you know, your adverts, once you notice it, you notice so much, you know, an advert for professional services with, you know, three men, three white men yeah stuff like that and then kind of as I started to come up with what do we need to do that turned in uh well actually it's more than gender you know and actually we need to do lots more things so that experience for me has then shaped what we do in our organization and how we really try and improve you know diversity as a whole I I have a I have um nephews who are autistic friends who are Asperger's and autistic and you know I um we have it we have a group at work for autism and I always say to them it's a superpower you know yeah ability you're you think differently and actually when you look in IT there's so many people who have probably been undiagnosed because it wasn't necessarily a thing and I'm not sure if that's a good or bad thing I think there's pros and cons Mm. both side of it but actually it makes them brilliant at what they do yeah um yeah 
that's something that we should in a tech sector embrace and you know give people the ability to you know really flower in that bit and how <laughs> flower daisy yes <laughs> how you how you um if you write a job description and say it must be a team player because it's just a standard yeah. thing that everyone writes but yeah that might really put someone off who's autistic because they think oh that is not me but yeah. actually you know, so really looking at all the jobs that you've got and saying, well, what do I really want? Because I could have, you know, someone who can do all those things to this level, but I could have someone who can do this part really, really well because they've got this skill. Yeah. So I do yeah. think that my own life experiences do impact how we operate and what we do in, in our business. I, I had a, when I moved into the operations director role, I set all of me um, department heads a task of, you know, with one in every three leavers, replace them with an apprentice or a grad. Um, Great improve your gender diversity by you know two percent because it's really hard in IT yeah but, but back to the importance is for me it's the education so the work that we do with STEM learn and working with year sevens and and up because a lot of people tend to want to work with the, the older the older kids who are maybe their talent pool for apprentices but yeah not, they're already informed they've already made decisions in life they've already had yeah. it the you know age seven is probably your, your age of influence so really yeah. work with your young kids yeah um, great yeah. that is great and and that's certainly something I see comes through uh certain parts of the legal sector as well they're going we need to start way earlier because you're missing if they've not been like you say they've if you've not they, reached them they before they choose both. their options can do both but then you have to do both don't you really you know um we built we're building some really good um relationships with schools that are near some of our head office for example in in Lancashire and Nelson um we're doing work with schools there where you know we work with STEM and we work with schools and they connect us together because like quite often schools have a curriculum and they're on this path and a company might say well I want this and the two don't meet yeah learn and do is they join you together um you know by creating that kind of partnership relationship between business and schools and STEM um to to really look at educating the younger children and be thinking I can do this and it's a good job to have and then also your your um probably your 14 year old who could be your next you know apprentice roles that are coming through working with them as well and um I guess as a final question what do you think has held you in well, there's two right this is the first what do you think has held you in good stead sort of throughout your career what's what's been the thing that's kind of yeah worked well for you I think just doing your job to the best of your ability get, you know really do a good job and um, I think that's been a big a big part and that's why I think I've assumed roles because you know if you do a good job then you you'll get recognized for it I do I do also recognise that sometimes everyone doesn't say that. So you have to probably put your head up above the parapet of it and say what you think, yeah. which I think is hard when you're younger. I think the, the confidence yeah. that you need for that. Um, and that's where I do think something like a mentor would be yeah. great for people to have. I think, you know, I, you know, mentoring wasn't really a thing when I was younger. I would have loved to have had a mentor. Yeah. I, do, I do some mentoring now for the Girls Network. Yeah. Um, and you know really looking forward to doing more of that as well so I think um that's probably one um the the other is um for me it's being inquisitive if if you're interested and you want to know just ask so I, I do think that my how my career in IT started was what's that how does it work what you're doing which is quite common for an engineering mindset yeah 
how do you fix it you know um but yeah. being inquisitive and you know just being interested in something I think gives you a good if you're interested you're going to do well at it. <laughs> and and then so <laughs> horse riding kickboxing skiing <laughs> dancing engineering yeah. um chief operations officer um what's next what you know project a way ahead don't want to say anything that was you know, <laughs> set the set the horses running but is there something that you think I don't know maybe you're going to be a motorbike instructor like your nan was it no I don't think so um <laughs> so I have I have just took a non-exec director role for a company cool. called Groundbreaker yeah um, and they are um a company who it's tech their technology um you know the board of directors the technology it's um primarily funded by a company called Acronis mm-hmm. and they um build schools all over the world right. um they plant trees and really really um you know try to make a difference in areas of the world that are you know um poor uh, you know where girls might not get education because the boys take priority so yeah. I've literally just started uh, this month on, the, wow. on that so brand new to the team but um never really thought about it before but actually think I would really enjoy it doing something like that where you get to kind of influence good in yeah. the world <laughs> yeah. um, so I do think you know technology for me is still at the heart of what I do and it's still something that it changes so much it's never boring yeah you learn so much all the time even you know at this sea level role um whenever we're launching a new product or we're looking at something new I ask enough questions to know enough about it to know what it is and how it works mm-hmm. I, not at an engineering level but you know um and I still find that that's really interesting but I think getting involved in doing a bit more good in the world is probably something that I'm looking forward to doing as well yeah well congratulations Thank you. Um, and you did wow global impact love it yeah. oh <laughs> yeah well um thank you so much Lindsay I'll put some connections in the show notes to things like the STEM, STEM, STEM learning. Learning. yeah um and I guess if people want to reach out and connect with you they can find you on LinkedIn yeah yes, yes lovely can. thank you thank you very much